Secure Financial Advisors, a registered investment advisor. This show does not intend to provide personalized investment advice through this broadcast and does not represent that the securities or services discussed are suitable for any investor. Investors are advised not to rely on any information contained in the broadcast in the process of making a full informed investment decision. This is your money, your wealth on Talk Radio 760 KFMV. Now, here's Joe Anderson and Big Al Clopine. Hey, welcome back to the show. The show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. Joe Anderson, Big Al Clopine. Thanks for tuning in. Right here on AM760 KFMB. Hey, Al. Um, I want to go through a couple of these questions I got from Advisor Insight. Oh, good. Okay. And uh, they sent me an email and with a thousand questions on it. But I thought, you know what? Hey, these are decent questions. And so let's just kind of go through them because I would imagine some of our listeners has, have the same questions. I would think so. All right. Uh, number one here. So this is from uh, someone from zip code 98125. And the title is... Can I deduct IRA contributions from a three-hour weekly part-time job? From a three-hour weekly part-time job? Sure. So, yeah, so, so the only limitation there, in the IRA, you can put $5,500. Unless you're over 50, you can do $6,500. You just have, have to have enough salary to cover that or earned income. So he goes, uh, the summary is, I am self-employed without a retirement plan. However, I have a part-time job, three hours per week. That has a 401A retirement plan. Oh, okay. There's more to it. My savings uh, contributed by my employer are about $144. Is it true that I would not be able to deduct IRA contributions from this part-time job simply because I don't have a retirement plan? Uh, so now it, you, when you are in a retirement plan, even if you have $1 of benefit from your employer then you're considered to be part of an employer-sponsored retirement plan. And so, therefore, you fall under the income limitation rules. And so the answer is, well, first of all, you can always do a IRA. You may or may not be able to deduct it. You may be able to do a Roth contribution. You can't deduct that. That may be even more advantageous. But uh, if you're below certain income thresholds, I don't have that table in front of me. It's around... I don't know, seventy, eighty thousand dollars single, something like that. Where if you make more than that, you cannot deduct a regular IRA, but you certainly can still make one. Next one: uh, What is the maximum tax deductible contribution I can make to an IRA if I contributed to a four hundred one k from January to June two thousand fifteen? I file a joint return. My husband made no contributions. Oh, very good. Well, all right. So, so again, it's the $5,500, and if you're uh -huh. over 50, you can go 65. Both of them can make those deductible contributions, but since, again, she's got the 401k plan, it would fall under those income limitations. Yes, it would. Now, married, it's a little bit higher numbers in terms of the income limitation rules, and there's something else, too, and that is even if uh, your joint income is too high for you to deduct an IRA, your husband, who's not working, may be able to deduct an IRA because those rules, that starts phasing out at about 183000 or so, so there's more likelihood that you're 
the spouse can actually even though the spouse doesn't have income because there's the non-working spouse yeah so you um, contributions that you can make right you can use the working spouse's earned income to qualify for your own ira right so that's a huge mistake that a lot of people make is that all right well here i'm not working so i can't contribute to a retirement account well that's true if you're single but if you're married and one spouse is still working you can still contribute to a Roth. You can still contribute to an IRA sure um, because of the spousal, um, not working spouse um, election there. Right. All right. So there we go. Two for two. I understand that when filing jointly, over $32,000 in Social Security is taxable. What if you're on Medicare? All right. Let's see. I understand that when filing jointly, over 32000 in social security is taxable what if you're on medicare well i would imagine if you are you're automatically enrolled in medicare as soon as you claim your social security benefit well yeah as long as you're 65 correct so 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 presumably she's over 65 and uh, yeah, so being on Medicare doesn't uh, doesn't do anything in terms of this calculation. What what does matter is you look at your provisional income, which is half of your Social Security plus all your other income plus a few other things like tax free interest, for example. And if that's over thirty two thousand as a married couple, then you have to start paying. Or is it twenty? What's the first number? Twenty five thousand, Joe. If it's over twenty five thousand dollars. Then you got to start twenty five to thirty two, thirty two to forty four. Yeah, twenty five to thirty two. Then you have to pay tax on up to fifty percent of your social security. And if you're above the thirty two thousand, it could be up to eighty five percent of your social security is taxable. So with Medicare, I mean, those are two different things. I mean, unless they're talking about, do I still pay a Medicare tax? You'd pay a Medicare tax if you're still working. So you could still collect your Social Security, be on Medicare, and then still pay a Medicare tax, right? That's out of true. your payroll, and that's that would only if you, if you're full retirement age, because if you're less than full retirement age, you start getting your Social Security benefits taken away, right? Phased out in a sense where, um, yeah, if you make more than fifteen thousand seven hundred, um, something like that, then every two dollars earned, they take a buck back once you reach the year of your full retirement age. Then that's up to about $45,000 of it's income. A, it's a bigger limitation. So it's like yeah. 44800 off of memory. Uh, but then once you reach your full retirement age, and then people get that, that confused. It's like, well, once I reach the year of my full retirement age. Well, yeah, because Social Security works in months, right? So right. let's say if your birthday's in June, right? Well, in January of that year, you're not full retirement age yet. So you can make in this example, January to June, up to about 45000 bucks. If you make more than that in that time period, every $3 earned, they'll take a buck back if you are claiming your Social Security prior to your full retirement age. But once you are at full retirement age, then you can claim your Social Security benefit and still make as much as you want and not necessarily be um, subject to those um, phase outs. Wouldn't you say in most cases, if you're working, you wouldn't want to take your Social Security benefits? I mean, yes. even even past full retirement age. Yeah, well, I think it depends. I've ran into people that don't necessarily have a lot of income, um, and they're behind. And so they're thinking, hey, well, maybe I take the Social Security income on top of my smaller income once I'm at full retirement age to get more income. Sure. And then I'll save it. Yes. It's like, okay, well, if you do that, then you have to get 8% or more because if once you turn full retirement age, they give you an 8% credit on that benefit. 
So it, it I, I mean, I, I think with everything in life, it all really depends. But I would say in most cases, if if I'm full retirement age and I'm still working, I think it makes more sense to delay to get the 8% delayed retirement credit. I, I do too, because as you say, so full retirement age for folks right now is age 66. So if you wait all the way to age 70, that's four years, that's a 32% higher benefit. So that's a third again as much, right? Roughly. So let's say your benefit's going to be $30,000 or um, let's say, let's say, yeah, let's say, let's say $20,000 of benefit. A third again as much is another seven grand, let's say. So 27 grand is your, is your benefit at 70 per year instead of 20. And that's can be a pretty big difference. And the more money you make, the higher this, the, the more this can make a big difference. You know, in life, we make choices and with choices come consequences. So if you decide to take your social security at 62, 66 or 70, there are consequences, um, good or bad. Um, like, like, for instance, you can either take the stairs or ride the elevator. You could eat an apple or a candy bar. You could drink a Coke or maybe a glass of water. Go to the doctor or ignore the symptoms. Planning for retirement is no different. You have a choice. You could create a plan or you can hope for the best. In either way, there will be consequences. But having no plan is almost destined to have a very, very bad ending. If you've saved for retirement, good for you. But now what? What about Social Security? What about reducing your taxes, guarding against inflation, generating income? And how will you withdraw your money from your retirement accounts? All right, we got to take another break. Show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. Don't go anywhere. Right here on AM760 KFMB. This is Your Money, Your Wealth on Talk Radio 760 KFMB. Hey, welcome back to the show. Show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. My name's Joey Anderson. I'm a certified financial planner with Big Al Clopine. He's a CPA. Thanks for tuning in. Reading a couple of email questions from you um, that I got from Advisor Insights. It's from Investopedia. You ever go to Investopedia? I have. So she's like, here's uh, just a few of the latest questions with your areas of expertise, Joseph. Okay, good. So um, I'm supposed to log in and answer them. Right. But, but I'm breaking gonna, the rules. You're doing it on the air, and you're going to send them the podcast. <laughs> yes, I'm going <laughs> to It's like, here you go. Or I'll just have, um, like, Mike and, or Megan listen to it and then type it out. They, yeah, you could do that. Sure. Okay. So let's see here. Here's another one for you. Um, what is the optimal long-term investment vehicle? When someone has maxed out all tax-advantaged accounts, including 401ks, HSAs, FSAs, um, am I missing anything that doesn't include income limits? Hmm. Okay. Well, I didn't hear mention of Roth IRA. But she's um, he or she is concerned about income limits. Mm -hmm. So maybe well, still though income limits for a single person they start phasing out at what what 116 117,000 I think this year. Yep. And married and is 184,000, right? So that's if from an earlier segment we talked about the people that make that much money, they're in the top 15%, so not everyone makes that much. True. So here's something that she can or he could do. So if you're looking for deductions, um, so they're looking for, all right, well, here, 401ks or 529s, but you don't, super funded 529 plans, they said, well, you don't get a tax deduction for 529 plans. It Correct. grows tax deferred. Yes. And then you um, it get tax-free income coming out of it if it's uh, paid for higher education costs. 
um, HSAs, so health savings accounts. So you get a, a tax deduction there, grows tax deferred, um, and then you can pull it out tax-free um, if you have a highly deductible health plan. FSAs is similar, uh, flex spending accounts or cafeteria plan, section 125. Yes. Uh, that's a pre-tax contribution that grows tax deferred, but then uh, it's a use it or lose it. That is correct. Yeah. In other words, by December, you got to use those benefits. Otherwise, you forfeit it. So then, there, am I missing anything? Well, let's see. You could anyone can contribute to an IRA, no so, matter what your income is. That will grow tax deferred for you. Well, anyone unless you're under seventy and a half and you have earned income. Yes. Right. <laughs> couple, Almost. Couple, couple qualifiers. <laughs> Compliance nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> just do it anyone can do it but you have to have income and uh yeah so like i guess the point is i'm, I'm saving into a 401k plan i can still contribute to an ira if i'm under 70 and a half and have earned income yes you can but i don't take i can't take the deduction right and correct if your income is is too high uh, if you don't have another IRA, you can do a backdoor Roth contribution. So you contribute to that IRA. You don't take a tax deduction. And then you convert that same IRA. And because you didn't get a tax deduction, it's not taxable as a conversion. It's kind of a workaround, I guess, on Roth contributions for those that don't qualify. But there's that huge caveat. First of all, you do have to be under 70 and a half. That's number one. You have to have earned income. But also... Uh, you, if you have another IRA, you got to aggregate that balance, and this doesn't work very well. If you have 401ks, 403bs, it's fine. But if you have no other IRAs, this is a great strategy for you if you if you got high income. Yep, and that's on the docket to um to go away. It is, yeah. What the hell's a docket anyway? I say that a lot, and it drives me nuts. <laughs> that's, uh, I couldn't. I'd have to look it up on Wikipedia. <laughs> it's. <laughs> it's it's I, on the docket right here. I assume it's just like a sheet, a sheet of, paper. of paper. Yeah, but I don't know the official meaning of it. I suppose it sounds better then. It's right here on this official sheet of paper. <laughs> it's it's saying a lot in a short word. <laughs> yes, it's a very important document. Yeah. Okay. Um, now this is an interesting question. This proves that there's some misinformation. Okay. There's a title here in that. Let me um, finish before you okay. answer. <laughs> right. So the title is this. Can I still contribute to my Roth IRA if my spouse earns over the retirement cap? Maybe that's a misspelled word. Requirement cap? I don't even know what a retirement or a requirement cap is. Maybe income requirement. Maybe, yeah. So can I still contribute to my Roth IRA if my spouse earns over the retirement Income, let's just call it income requirement cap. Well, if you file a joint return, well, I don't know if she's looking or he's, or well, that's the spouse. So I don't know what spouse is looking at what, because they might say, all right, well, here, you make more than $132,000, let's say for 2016. Well, that's for the single, but for married, it's $194,000. So that's sure. the income requirement cap for a married couple if you file a joint return. Yes. If the spouse makes more than one hundred. 94000 you cannot contribute to the Roth. Let me go on. Okay. My spouse makes over the amount allowed to contribute to a Roth IRA. However, I do not. Is it possible for me to contribute to my Roth IRA even though we are married and his income is above the requirement cap? Again, okay. that's... Well, what requirement cap is you're referring I th I to? I think you're right. It's the income cap. But the, but I mean, is she is is he or she looking at the the single or the 
them married. You know what I mean? Well, it's because I've seen this before. It's like, okay, well, my, my let's say my my husband or my wife, in my case, let's say my wife makes $150,000 a year. Sure. I don't make anything. So then I look, all right, well, if I'm sing, you know, for a single person, it's 131,000. Well, maybe they might be thinking because only one person has income, so they're looking at the, the wrong table. Tables. Well, you do use the married tables, so that's that's the first thing. But if your husband assuming he's looking at the or or wife, we don't know if it's male or female. If the working spouse, if their income is over the married uh, income limitation cap, we'll call it that, then you have the same problem. You you can't contribute either because it's a joint thing. Okay, um, I understand compound interest as it relates to a basic savings account. If you get five percent interest on one thousand dollars each year, it'll be worth a thousand fifty at the end of the year. A fifty. Um, as $50 interest was added. Over time, it will keep compounding. How about if you invest $1,000 in an S&P 500 index fund will go up and down, which is not exactly the same as compounding. It may go up way more than 5%, but then, but can that really be considered compound interest? That's an interesting question. How, how would you answer that one? Well, it's not compound. Uh, the The rate of return is compounding. Yeah, yeah. With I the S and P five, I mean, interest is based on a note, and a note is a loan, and so that could be a bond. It could be a CD. Mm-hmm. So, but the way that they they compute what the rate of return is is a compounded rate. So, in other words, five years ago, yes, you you invest in the S and P five hundred, and let's say it earned ten percent. Okay. Well, that's a compounded number as if it was like a flat 10%. Right. Yeah, but it's an average. It's an average. It's an average rate of return. Some years it was 30, some years it was minus 4, whatever, right? But the compounded rate is, uh, well, the average rate, I should say, is 10%. And that would be the same as putting your money in a bank and earning 10%. You end up in the same spot. You got it. Um, Should I take my RMD from my stocks that have dropped the most in my IRA? All right. I have to take RMDs for my retirement I uh for my retirement IRAs invested in stock funds soon. So should I take my RMD from the stocks that have dropped the most, Alan? Yes. No. You do not take your RMD the ones that dropped the most. Or you could Well maybe that might make sense because this is what you could do. All right. Okay. Is that let's say you have an IRA and you have stocks inside the IRA and some of the stocks have gone down in value. Should you take the RMD from those stocks? If you were going to sell them and go to cash, no. But if you say, all right, well, here, give me whatever stock ticker it is, and you just take the distribution from the stock. You don't have to put it in cash. You can just do a journal and put that stock in now a brokerage account, right? Sure. Huh? You see where I'm coming yeah, with this? I, I like your thinking. And then as soon as when then the stocks accumulate in value, Guess what? Then you sell it at a capital gains rate. Yeah. So in other words, you got the stock out of the IRA when it was low, and then it hopefully, I mean, this is the hope, right? That it, that it goes back up, appreciates, and now when you sell it, you get a capital gain rate, which is a lot better than the rate from an IRA, which is ordinary income. Right. And so you got to, but if it comes from a 401k plan, you have to cash it. I mean, it's cash. It's yeah, going to come do. to you as cash. That's right. But if it's in an IRA, you can journal shares, which I think a lot of people don't know. Very few people you know. You can say, here, just I'm just going to journal the shares of the required distribution. So um, 
we 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 got to take a break. But when I get back, let's let, let's dive in a little bit more okay. um, into this topic because I think there's some cool tax planning that can be done when stocks go down, where you don't necessarily have to sell the stocks to put them in a lot better tax favored environment. So don't go anywhere. Um, go to our website at purefinancial.com to get more information about us. We'll be back in a second. The show's called Your Money, Your Wealth, right here on AM seven sixty KFMB. Now back to your money, your wealth on Talk Radio seven sixty KFMB. Hey, welcome back to the show. The show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. My name's Joe Anderson. I'm a certified financial planner with Big Al Clopine. He's a CPA. Thanks for tuning in. Happy Saturday or happy any day of the week because you're listening to the podcast. Wow. Yes. Could be um, any day of the year. Any day of the year. Go to the go to the iTunes. The iTunes. <laughs> the iTunes. Go to the iTunes and subscribe. <laughs> <laughs> one of my favorite uh, pieces of artwork that one of my sons did. This is Robbie. Fifth grade. No. Kindergarten, five years old is what I meant to say. Five years old, and so junior he, in college. Yeah, he drew a picture of uh, of the Clopine family, and it's like there's these two little legs and a big butt, and then a skinny little torso and a head, and there was four of them because there's four of us in the family, and it said on it the Clopine single. <laughs> loved it, absolutely loved it. That's the Clopine. Uh, so go to um, the internet, and. Um... What the, what the hell is that kind of again? iTunes. Go, iTunes. To, go to iTunes. Your yeah. money, your wealth. Just type in the search box and subscribe. So we were talking about this question that came in. And if you're just joining us, um, I got, um, I'm got i part of a couple of different groups. that I, I answer questions uh, online to help um, individuals out with yeah. their overall retirement, right? Sure. And so I got a bunch of them, and I was like, well, I'm not going to type all this stuff out. I'm just going to you know, say it on the air. Right. Okay? Like it. And uh, one of the questions was this, is that should I take my required minimum distribution from the stocks that have dropped the most in my IRA? Now, there's a couple of ways that you can interpret this and what they're actually asking, right? And first of all, an RMD is a required minimum distribution that you have to pull out of a retirement account um, if it's in an IRA. If you're over 70 and a half, if you are still working, however, and if you're an active participant in your 401k plan that don't own more than 5% of the overall company, you do not have to take a required distribution until you retire. So that's since yes, I, I was shortcutting some of the stuff yeah, earlier. You were. That's right. Um, so you can look at it as this individual says, you know what? These stocks, they're awful. They're, I'm, I'm dumping them. So I have to take the distribution anyway. So which one should I sell, right? So let's look at the ones that have gone down in value and sell those. And then when I sell them, I'm going to buy better investments, quote unquote. Right. And I'm going to look at which ones have performed better. And then that is the one I'm going to purchase because we think that we're going to extrapolate those returns over time, which the opposite is probably going to be true, where you don't want to sell the you know individual investments that are down in value. You want to sell them that are up. So that's one way to look at it. So the answer to that situation would be no, but we're going deeper. Yeah. We're well, getting a little bit smarter than this. <laughs> Let me just add that this this works a little bit better if it's an asset class. If it's a stock, a stock doesn't always come back, right? A stock may go down and stay down. Correct. Whereas an asset class like the S&P 500 made up of 500 stocks, well, if that's down, that will come back. Right, you can as long as capitalism it, works. It may, it may come back. I should say may. It will very likely, likely. very likely, <laughs> high, high come probability. Back. But a stock, if a stock goes down, there's no particular guarantee that that company will ever recover, and that's so. It's 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 probably not 
the right investment. We wouldn't even recommend the, those as, as the investments. But assuming that we make the assumption that she's got good stocks and that they're going to go down but come back up. So we'll make that assumption. Or let's just say it's stock mutual fund. Okay. How about that? Okay. Here's what you do. So in the mindset of most individual investors, they sell when assets are down and then they right buy asset classes that are up. Here's what I would do with your required minimum distribution. Now it has to be in an individual retirement account to do this. All right. So if it's in a 401k plan that you have to take your RMD or your, your requirement, it's not going to work because the company's just going to send out the requirement to you probably in direct deposit it in your checking account. So they're going to act, they're going to sell that security, sell it. So it's sold, it's out of the market. And then you're going to get cash. If it's in an IRA, you can journal shares. And so what does that mean? Journal shares means, all right, well, here, I have XYZ stock or XYZ mutual fund, and my required distribution is $10,000. So what I do is I say, okay, well, here, I want $10,000 of XYZ mutual fund journaled out to my brokerage account, right? So you're journaling that out. You pay tax on it. It's outside of the retirement account, so it satisfies the required distribution of the $10,000 or whatever it can be. But now that's, you, you didn't sell it. It still has this... Now it's in my brokerage account. Now what do I do? Okay, well, potentially then now I took the RMD. It's it's still down in value, right, from where I bought it, even though it doesn't have cost basis though, right? Because once you journal it in your brokerage account, that's going to be the basis. But you had a pre preconceived notion of basis in the retirement account because you bought it for $10 a share. Now it's worth $5 a share. You, you are right about that. So in other words, what it's worth when you journal it out is your new cost basis. Right. So, and, and the brokerage account statements, the companies, they don't always get that right. So be careful of that one. So, but now, but because I know in my head, hey, you know, I bought this at $10 a share. Now it's worth $5 a share. I'm going to journal it into my brokerage account. Now it's at $5 a share. But then when it, when it recovers, okay, when that asset class recovers and goes up in value, guess what? Now you don't have to pay capital gains tax on it. Um, you, you pay capital gains tax on it, not ordinary income tax. Correct. Another strategy, when markets are down, Roth IRA conversions is a phenomenal strategy. It's the same concept. Hey, you know, these account balances are down, right? So now is a really good time to take those and convert those into a Roth IRA. And then when that asset class recovers, guess what? All of that income is going to come to you tax-free. So you just take a little bit extra layer. And again, this is what we're talking about all day, is that when you got a certified financial planner and a CPA looking at the tax consequence and how all this stuff works versus just looking at your, um, you know, whatever the asset allocation is, well, combine tax to the equation, you're going to have a better outcome. It is true, Joe. And, and I was actually just going to say the same thing. So you went the same place that I was thinking, which was now your RMD, your required minimum distribution. You have to distribute that out. And as you say, Joe, when it's an IRA, it can be in cash or it can be in kind. It can be shares. And that's now if you can't, if it's in a 401k and you could potentially do the same strategy, you just have to sell that position in the 401k, take the cash and then buy it. Buy it right in, back. Buy it right back. So yeah, there's a little bit of you may be out of the market for a few days, right? And then oh, it could there, be a few weeks. It could, I mean, right? It could, yeah, yeah, and, and yeah. Actually, from a 401k, you're right. It could be a few weeks. 
weeks, and, and you got some tra- some trading costs. So you'd rather journal it entry out. But the, but to, to piggyback off that, the, the, there would be no. Let's say if you did that, you sold it onto the four hundred one k plan. It's at a loss in the four hundred one k plan, but it doesn't have any basis. So there is no wash sale rule there. That's correct. Right. Yeah. So you even though you have your own calculated basis in your head mm-hmm. um, of hey, I bought this for ten dollars a share. Now it's worth three dollars a share. You could sell it right and then buy it back. The next day, potentially, right. if it came from a 401k plan. That's true. But f- forget about that. I mean, if anyone's ever done a 401k rollover, you know, depending <laughs> on the company, depending on HR, depending on how you know accurate your paperwork is, and if you just filled out the right form of direct rollover versus rollover, and if they're withholding taxes, not withholding taxes, setting up the overall accounts, sometimes that takes a long time. If it's at an insurance company, forget about it. They'll hold on to that money for months, it seems like. It, they do. And, and so, Joe, your point, though, is to the best time to do a Roth conversion is actually when when an asset class or market is down because you get that money into the Roth, you get more shares in a Roth, if you will, uh, at a lower cost basis. And then when they recover, all that recovery is tax-free. And so few people think about these things when they're, when they're trying to design a retirement income stream. And it's, it's, they make so many mistakes. I mean, I, I, I just can tell you, I've just seen so many people doing the wrong things and they, and they get really excited about maybe their investments, but they got the wrong investments in the wrong tax pools and they're paying a lot more taxes than they really need to pay. And as a CPA for over 30 years, I, I'm, I am kind of amazed how people do make these mistakes and they don't really get the message until it's too late. And so there's a better way to do it. Uh, but Learn from others, uh, and the secret is to make sure you don't avoid the same things that they have done. Uh, don't don't learn it the hard way. You can save more in taxes than you think, but you must use a forward-looking tax-efficient strategy. All right, we got to take a break. Show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. This is Your Money, Your Wealth on Talk Radio 760 KFMB. Hey, welcome back to the show. Show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. Joey Anderson, Big Al Clopine, thanks for tuning in. Uh, right here on AM760 KFMB or podcast. Podcast, yes. Podcast. Yeah, you Go to the iTunes. You're promoting those a lot today. Go to the iTunes. I, Have you ever seen um, that movie with Vince Vaughn? I've seen a few of them. Um, the Intern? Uh, or it was Interning at Google? I did see the movie called The Intern, but it was a different one. I thought it was called The Intern. <laughs> that was uh, uh, Robert De Niro in that one. Anne Hathaway. That's a recent one. Oh, wow. That must have been just a wonderful date night. I liked it, actually. Really? Yeah, yeah. I did. Yeah. yeah. The net or the e-net. The e-net, I think he kept on calling the internet. Oh. Um, anyway, um, you got a quiz for me, don't you, bud? Yeah. Let's. Do you know about Roth IRAs? I do know a lot about Roth IRAs. Yeah. I got 10 questions. They're actually pretty easy. I actually uh, rewrote two of them because they were misleading. So here we go. Your upfront contributions to a Roth IRA are tax deductible. True or false? False. That's correct. They are not tax deductible. They grow 100% tax free though. Yeah. So that's what you give up. You don't get a tax deduction today, but all future growth income principal is tax free. But I think that's all right. I do too. Because if you think about what we have done over the last several years is that we put money into a, a retirement account and get the tax deduction today. Okay. So let's say you put in, max it out, $24,000. Right, let, let me check your math real quick. $24,000, Al, and I'm in the 25% tax bracket. What's my tax savings? Uh, tax savings is $6,000. Okay, so save six, six grand, mm-hmm. right? Plus state. Okay, $7,500. Okay. You fine with that math? Yeah. Give or take, yeah. hypothetically? Yeah. <laughs> so I save $7,500. I got $24,000 in, okay? Okay. 
Then that $24,000 grows to hundred grand. Mm-hmm. Then I pull the $100,000 out. What do I pay in tax? Well, you're 25% still 25% tax bracket. bracket. Yeah, so plus state. So let, let's say let's say you get about 65 grand out of that 100,000. Right? So 65 minus 100 is what? 35. So I get $7,500 deduction, but I got to pay it back. I got to pay $35,000 back. Yeah. Yeah, in other words, the the tax benefit grew just like the account. Correct. Yes, and and so you end up paying a lot more tax. Yes, that's correct. So if I forego the seventy five hundred dollar tax deduction and that twenty four thousand dollars grows to a hundred thousand dollars, then I pull the money out. What do I pay in tax? Yeah, you pay nothing. Zero. There is no better rate than zero. Yeah, I agree with that. So I think we have to relook at some things we, here. We do. Now, of course, it, it does depend on a whole lot of factors, your tax bracket, and what it's going to be in retirement versus what it is right now, and that's a whole other discussion. But here's question two. These are all true-false, by the way. You can withdraw your contributions from a Roth tax-free right away, but there are restrictions on withdrawing your earnings. Correct. You, this is a really cool thing about the Roth, which I d- discourage anyone from doing this. <laughs> But well, you're if gonna you, say it anyway. But if you do, could yeah, I should I should lie to the, the public. <laughs> Can't do it. If you do contribute to a Roth IRA, let's say you put fifty five hundred dollars into the Roth IRA, you have access to that fifty five hundred dollars the next day, no matter what your age. So if you're thirty five years old, you put money into the Roth IRA. The next day, you need the money, you can always pull that money out. Um, I encourage this too. This is big. Um, let's say that you have not made a Roth IRA contribution for twenty fifteen yet. Um, since we are now in, um, what, what is it? April 2nd, April 2nd, mm-hmm. April 2nd, 2016. For those of you that are listening to the podcast. Yes. <laughs> wow. <laughs> They're going to be listening to it in 2038. wonder when this one was wonder when this one was there. <laughs> What's that Roth IRA, honey? Oh, what the, uh, <laughs> is that you still got time. You got, I don't know, 15, 16 days. I think the, what, the deadline's at 18th? Yeah, it's, believe it or not, April 18th is tax date this year. So start a Roth IRA for 2015. You still have time. Put a couple of dollars in it. If you don't have the full 5,500 bucks, put as as much as you possibly can, um, or at least start the account with $100, all right? Then that starts your five-year clock. Your five-year clock starts January 1, 2015. So I highly encourage you, if anyone, I don't care how old you are, if you're 65, 70 years old and you're still working, you have earned income, please do so because at some point you might want to utilize the Roth, right? And then that will satisfy the five-year clock starting 2015. So you're already a year, right? You, now you only have to wait four more years if you've never started a Roth before. Here you go. There is no age limit for contributing to a Roth as long as you or your spouse have earned income to contribute. There's an in, there's no age limit. There is no age limit on a Roth. That's correct. As long as you have earned income, yes. Yes. Yeah, that's true. Okay. The maximum you can contribute to a traditional IRA is different than a Roth IRA. Wrong. Wrong. It's the same number. It's fifty five hundred dollars, sixty five if you're over fifty. That's correct. And then thirteen thousand if you're married and only one spouse needs earned income to make contributions to a traditional IRA or a Roth IRA. Yeah. So you do have to be under seventy and a half to do an IRA contribution though. Yes, you do. And I think that's one of the most missed uh, tax techniques there is, is is you're working, your spouse is retired, you're both over fifty, you do a Roth contribution for sixty five hundred, your spouse can also do one. And that means you both can have Roth IRAs and start earning tax free income. All right, here's a here's one. Anyone and I mean anyone can contribute money to a Roth IRA, even Donald Trump. Yeah. Anyone can contribute to an IRA, even Donald Trump? Yeah, that's what it says. Well, that that would... answer is false. 
Why wouldn't the Donald be able to do the? What is he over seventy and a half? No, any anyone can contribute money to a Roth IRA. Oh, Roth IRA. I thought you said IRA. Oh, sorry. Well, no, he could do probably an indirect. He could do backdoor. Backdoor. Maybe. He could maybe. <laughs> In other words, um, there's income limitations, uh, and so once you're married and your income's above 184,000, you start getting phased out on making those uh, contributions. All right, um, you never have to withdraw funds from a Roth IRA in which you contribute. You're not listening. Are you? Yes, I am. <laughs> I'm thinking now. You never have to withdraw funds from a Roth IRA to which you contribute. Well, no, if you're the owner of the account, no. Yeah, that's correct. It's, if you're the beneficial true. owner, yes. Well, you're, you're two questions ahead of me. Hold on. Well, you were giving me <laughs> grief. <laughs> you were just because there. I was looking not... at me like, what's what are we doing? <laughs> no. All right, so. Before, when I was going through some of this, you, I was a compliant nightmare. <laughs> now I'm trying to give the very details okay. of the strategies wow. that we are discussing. Okay, fair enough. Anyway, <laughs> that is true. You never have to withdraw funds from a Roth IRA to which you contribute. All right, let me skip ahead because I know that's where you wanted to go. Uh, 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 let's see. Your heirs never have to take money out of a Roth IRA that they inherited. Yes, they do. They have to take a required distribution based on their life expectancy. They sure do. So that's false. So, for instance, here's the thing: is that a um, couple a couple of different things when it comes to inherited IRAs um, or 401ks, for that matter. If you're married, a few things to look at is that you can basically combine the marriage. Um, so, if I'm married, I can take my wife's and move it into mine. I could take she could take mine and put it into hers, if that makes sense. Now, if I keep it in my wife's, I wouldn't not have to take a required distribution until she would have turned age 70 and a half if she predeceased, right? But if it goes to a non-spouse beneficiary, all non-spouse beneficiaries have to take a required distribution based on their life expectancy. So even if it's a five-year-old, that five-year-old has a life expectancy of age 86. So they would have to take out 180th or 181. Yeah, 181. <laughs> <laughs> Let's say the life expectancy is age 80. Five, and they're five years old, so they need to take one eightieth. Oh. Okay, that's easier to say. Yes. All right. Well, one eightieth one. I guess. <laughs> I guess the the bottom line is, if you're not contributing money to a Roth IRA or converting money to a Roth IRA, you got to be looking at this because tax rates they may be going up here in the future. You look at our national debt. You look at uh, uh, Social Security. You look at Medicare. You got to get some money to Roth IRA so you can start being having some of your income tax free to stay out of the higher tax brackets. Thanks so much for listening for Big L Clopine. I'm Joe Anderson. We'll be back again next week uh, right here on AM 760 KFMB.